Hi friends, welcome. I hope you had a lovely Christmas. This is my first podcast recording post-Christmas day. I had a lovely one. Me and my wife exchanged gifts. You know, other things too. Family, Jesus, but let's be honest, the gifts. And she got me something that caused some anarchy near the end of this conversation I'm about to share with you. I'll get to that in just a second. I had a fan... Oh, apparently my house is catching on fire due to some cooking that my wife is doing it. I'm just going to trust that she's got that taken care of. So uh, I had a conversation with my friend Austin. (laughs) I'm going to keep this going. My friend Austin Ross about embracing discomfort and how it's important if you're a creator to embrace discomfort and use it as a tool and a resource for growth and using social situations for this as well. I'm recording a podcast intro, please hold, as well as using self-discipline to to uh, make this happen for yourself in the meantime. Oh, look, the house isn't on fire anymore. Uh, near the end of the conversation, an issue arose in which the this little thing called an Elgato Cam Link, which allows me to plug my nice camera, we'll call it, into my computer and record directly a nice live feed into my computer and share it with you guys. This is good because it makes my conversation videos look better than when I just have my webcam plugged in. And uh, what happened near the end of the conversation was this Elgato cam link started, well, it wasn't the cam link, it was the camera. The camera, I think, overheated and I think this is just because I'm I'm still working out some technical kinks. The Cam Link works fantastic. It's a beautiful piece of hardware that allows me to do something very special. The camera started overheating, I believe, and it started causing all sorts of mayhem. It turned green. It turned off. It, it was I thought it was hilarious, but just whenever that happens, don't be confused. Anyway, enjoy the conversation with me and Austin Ross. I'm gonna go see if my wife's on fire. Hi, Austin. How's it going? It's going great. How about you, James? Good. Uh, I'm doing well. I hear you got a job at Apple. You yeah. Are, you are a genius? No, not oh. a genius. Oh, okay. So there's three tiers of technical positions uh, oh. that you can have at, at the app, at a retail store. Okay. Um, so you can uh, – uh, three tiers of technicians. The first technici- uh, technician is technical specialist. That's what I am. Uh, and we're certified to handle iPhones and iPads. And Apple Watches at a software level, so we can support, provide software support. We can book people in for repairs, but we don't actually do any opening of the devices. Mm. Then there are technical experts who are allowed to actually service iPhones and iPads, mm. so we can open open up iPhones and we can do a little bit more. Uh, actually, iPads we, we don't open up open those up at all, but we can open up iPhones and stuff. Mm. And then t- then there's Genius above both of those, and Geniuses are the ones who are able equipped to deal with Macs. And open up Max and service Max in store. Oh, okay. So yeah. they're the they're uh, the highest level in a sense. Yeah, kind of. Beautiful. Are you enjoying your job? I love it. It's awesome. Uh, and it's your first job, correct? Lives. It's my very first job. That's uh, after, so. That's so rad. After, okay, after one day of driving for favor, and that didn't work out too well. Uh, I need to tell you that story one sometime. Okay, that sounds and, like a, a fun offshoot. And then, um, and then I taught piano and, and guitar lessons in home. Mm. I, I still teach one guitar student and one piano student on and off. But uh, yeah, Apple's my main gig right now. Sweet. Well, I'm, yeah. I I feel like you would do a fantastic job. You're very articulate and smart, and you are good at explaining things to people and probably also convincing people that they need to buy your products. <laughs> well, I don't get any commissions. Oh. I just help people get what they need. Well, yeah, but just goodwill, man. You're just trying to help people out. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you, no, seriously, you're very, you're, you, I think you're a fantastic fit, and I think that's probably why they picked you. So I want to talk about uh, embracing discomfort. Yes. And one direction I want to go with this is practice, the importance of practice, putting yourself in the trenches. I believe that victory is one in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, how important do you think it is to embrace discomfort when you're trying to develop as an artist? Uh, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad is a big fan of this book called Talent is Overrated. And I honestly, I honestly cannot remember 
the name of the author, but it's called Talent is Overrated. And the guy makes the case that um, the idea of talent, that people have natural giftings towards uh, or natural like abilities mm-hmm. in one area or another, he says that's bunk. He says that it doesn't exist. It's not real. I would and absolutely he agree. He essentially makes the case that Jeffrey Colvin, Colvin, by the way, Jeffrey Colvin. Okay, cool. I looked it up. I, I did. That wasn't remember. in my Thank mind, you. so I don't yes. want. I'm not a genius. Okay. I would have been really impressed. <laughs> um, but he makes the case that talent doesn't exist, and the only thing that does exist is hard work. And there's different. Um, uh, I don't remember if this is a talent is overrated. Or um, there's a book by – what's his name? He has the uh, revisionist history. Malcolm Gladwell. He oh, has a okay. book. I think it's That's where like I thought Genius. you were going with it, but I, I didn't want to jump in. I think I, I, it, he has a book called like Genius or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't okay. remember. Uh, it's, it was either a Malcolm Gladwell book or The Talent is Overrated I book. should read more. I, I... They, talked to, they talked about a study um, about violinists. I think I mentioned this before, but there's there were three levels of violinists that all came out of the same conservatory for violinists. And to get into the conservatory, you had to be really, really good at the violin. To begin with, you had to be really good. And they studied the practice habits of every violinist who came out of the school over their four years and where they ended up. And um, the three tiers of violinists, they all practiced nine hours a day. Every one of them practiced the same amount of hours every day. But some of them went on to become music directors in high schools and colleges. Some of them went on to become, you know, you know, first chair or whatever, like just concert violinists or not concert violinists, but like in an orchestra, they were like the, the part of the ensemble. And then there were the concert violinists who were the featured artists who were like the Hilary Hans of the world, right? Who they're there, the spotlight is on them. And the only difference, the only difference between the practice that they did was what they practiced mm. over the course of that nine hours. The people who became music directors in high schools, uh, not to say that they're failures, but, you know, it's like a lower tier career than, say, becoming like the more renowned person. Well, was, there's certainly more money involved, probably. <laughs> yes, definitely. You, um, They practiced like 90% what they were already good at, what they were comfortable with, and 10% what they were, what was, you know, new stuff. Mm. The um, teachers. Right. Okay. The second the second group of people who were like, kind of became on, uh, orchestra ensemble members, people who would like play with symphony orchestras around the world, they, um, they became, they practiced maybe 50-50, um, Stuff they were comfortable with, and stuff they stuff they didn't know, and the third group of people who were the the virtuosos, the best, the the, the creme de la creme, mm-hmm. were they practiced one hundred percent stuff that made them uncomfortable, stuff that they were bad at. They said spent just, their it, life in a constant state of discomfort, and it's apparently it's mind numbing. Like you yeah. just like you just work and work and work until until it's perfect. Yeah. Just like doing that one scale over and over and over again, doing that one passage from the music over and over and over again until you never, ever mess it up. Mm. And that's all you do for nine hours straight. It's almost like they practiced until they couldn't fail. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a saying, and um, I don't know if it's a saying across all for art forms, but in mu- musicians, we kind of quote that sometimes. It's like, um, it's like an anecdote. It's like uh, amateurs practice until they get it right yeah. professionals practice until they don't get it wrong absolutely absolutely yeah and and i think the mind-numbing practice is important for getting you to a place where you can't fail to a place where you are able to be well i think that you develop the discipline through the the practice of disciplining Absolutely. And I think the more that you spend your time in that situation, I think that it starts to become addicting mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. I think that's an interesting like people who thing. People go to the that... gym or people who run regularly, there's like the runner's high. 
Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we don't talk about that part of it enough. The fact that it's actually really addicting and rewarding to sit down and put yourself in a grind for a long period of time until it hurts and until you've sort of gotten yourself over the hedge of comfort. It's like there's a place that you get to where it feels so fantastic because you have been uncomfortable for so long that you've reached a new level (laughs) of competence, like you leveled up. But mm-hmm. to get there, you have to go through this 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 uh, mud of mm. death and sadness for a long time. Right. And I think that the times in my life where I feel like I really developed as a person and leveled up and got to a new place that sort of feels like it can't be undone, like I'm better now, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that was on the other side of me being put in an uncomfortable situation that I probably didn't choose to put myself in for a prolonged period of time. Absolutely. <laughs> like, this is why I, th- I feel like this is the plot line for so many movies where it's like you take the, okay, family movies, right? You take the family, they all hate each other, you put them in an RV, by the end they love each other because they made a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing works for disciplining yourself as a creator. Mm-hmm. You need to go after that breakthrough. The difference between you and people who are who are where you want to be, the people who inspire you, the people who you want so badly to be like, is they're they've reached a level of competence that you're not at because they went through the that grind. Right. And now it's like they don't even it's it's the flow of their life now. Mhm. Their ability if you want a good it's, example. I mean, it works with every single skill we develop. It's you get yep. into a place where it's like walking, right? When you first started walking, it was this weird awkward experience. You're falling, you're hitting if you're falling on your butt, but Perhaps you're falling and hitting your head on stuff and crying a little bit. But by the end, you get to where we are as adult humans. Walking is something we don't even think about. It just happens. Right. And right. I think that uh, for the for the artist, it's the same idea. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if you want an example of where to look, like what, like literally what good practice looks like, there's a YouTuber named Adam Neely. Um, oh, I was just looking at his channel today. I checked him out after you recommended him, and I looked oh, up. Oh, that's cool. He did. He made one. Like he makes. I, I really enjoy his videos where he covers stuff like the longest song. Like mm-hmm. what, what is the slowest song? What does that mean? What even qualifies as a song? That that stuff's really fun to me. Yeah, yeah, it's great. He has a very philosophical take on music. Yes. Um, and he's very well rounded. He talks about music history. He talks about um. He talks about philosophy. He talks about different styles, different eras. He just brings it all together. It's really cool. Mm. Um, but he has a video that's literally, I think it's like six hours long. It was a six-hour live stream of his practice routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he actually just practices in front of the camera. Um, and he doesn't really talk except for, like, he doesn't really talk when he practices. But he talked during the live stream a little bit just to explain, like, here's my practice routine. Here's this exercise that I'm doing now. This is to improve X, Y, Z. I'm going to do this for so many repetitions or for the X amount of time. And then he moves on. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really fascinating. Um, and I was just going to say, I feel kind of convicted talking about this because I was at a place where I was practicing pretty consistently and I felt really good about myself. And then um, I kind of stopped. This semester and this year in general has been kind of wild. Like 2017 was definitely a big year for improvement in terms of like growth. And then I like grew a lot in a very short period of time just from being exposed to so many things that that pushed me and stretched me and made me grow. And then um, spring 2018 was... What was the state that you felt like you were in while you were growing? Um, I felt, um, was it, was it, was it discomfort? Was it, it was feeling rewarded? Was it feeling challenged? It was challenging and rewarding at the same time. So like, for instance, I thought I knew a little bit about jazz music 
going into my very first jazz camp. I thought, yeah. oh yeah, I play piano. I know how to play things by ear. I know key standards out of the real book. I'm I'm squared away. I'm good to go. And then I went to jazz camp and uh, I was embarrassed. Mm. I couldn't take solos. I didn't know how to comp. I didn't know any of the lingo or the jargon that any of the people were using. I was like, where am I? I and I was kind of halfway prepared for that, right? Because my my piano tutor at the time, he was like, when you go into a, whenever you walk into a room, turn on your iPhone and start recording like immediately, like just start recording audio. Just like whatever anyone says, write it down, record it, because you're going to learn a lot over the next week. And so I did. And then by the end of two weeks, each a summer, uh, each week was a summer camp. I knew more about jazz music than I had learned over the course of like two years prior to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And from there, I went to I went straight to college. I, coming out of high school, I went straight to college, community college, and I went into some jazz ensembles at my college. And I was way more equipped for those ensembles than than anything that I could have learned in a classroom mm. or that I could have learned watching videos online could have taught me just because I was pushed through the fire of having forcing myself to perform in a combo at these at these camps. How important was the the immersion into that culture for you? Very important. Um for for musicians, it's all about staying around the campfire, um, because you can you can always like convince yourself that you can learn by yourself. And there's a truth to like you can you can learn if you're really self disciplined. But a lot of humans are not self disciplined, mm. and so staying staying around a community where there's other people who are better than you and that are that are encouraging you to to improve. And that are showing you what you could look like if you got better. Mm-hmm. And creating a drive in you too. I think a right. drive is a huge part. It just forces you to be like, well, crap, I could be better. Yeah. I guess I have to practice. At least for, for me anyway. For, for me, what it builds is like I, I see, I observe around me what I see that I want to be better at. And then the drive looks like I want so, so bad to be that. Yeah. I... Every, it's the only thing that like I get obsessive about it. I want so bad to be, uh, to 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 be this version of this, or to be this version of this. I do that with creators that I watch on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that are just so compelling to me about them, and I get obsessed with how to get there. Yeah, and to the point that it can get frustrating at times because I feel like I'm not making any progress. And that frustration is important too. I think absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, uh, you actually learn, in my opinion, you learn way faster when you're put in an uncomfortable position than you do if you're comfy. Like, uh, if I'm all cozy in my bed and I'm like reading out of a textbook, hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, this is easy. Versus if I'm thrust into a situation where I have to think on my feet, I'm going to remember the stuff where I have to figure stuff out and think on my feet way more than I am in my comfy position because my brain is in an elevated state. My senses are heightened. I'm actively in a state of absorbing in an active state of how the hell am I going to do this? Right. Like at, the Apple, at the Apple store, we have, a pro, we have a process where you learn. It's like a three-tier three process. First tier is we teach you. We say, hey, here's how this works, right? And the second tier is shadowing. So we watch. We, we put on regular plain clothes, and we go watch someone who is in the position that we're, we're going to be in. And we just sit and watch them do it. And we ask them questions and we, we, uh, we watch them do the work. And then the third tier is reverse shadowing where you are actually taking the appointment and your person is in plain clothes and they're watching you and offering guidance and advice. Discomfort engage. Taking... Right, exactly. So you learn really quickly at the Apple Store how to be – an Apple employee, because if you're not, if you're not engaged, you're not going to learn. But the the best part about that is they actively encourage uh, you to ask questions. They actively encourage seeking out knowledge and seeking out wisdom 
and seeking out help from your peers. There's never an, there's never, ever, ever an atmosphere of, uh, oh, you don't know. There's never like a condescension or like Mm -hmm. a mean spirit about any of the employees at that store. And that's why I love working there so much because if it was like that, the environment would be so much more hostile and so much more competitive than it is. It's like, it's like everyone's on a team. It's like, it's almost like, I think it's important within companies to have a, a really proper balance between encouragement and challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's different for every company in every situation mm-hmm. and every, and I say company, apply that to any social situation where you and your peers are trying to grow towards something, right? Absolutely. I think that sometimes you need more challenge because the harshness that I felt while at Starbucks, which mm-hmm. is hilarious because it wasn't a, a coal mine, No, <laughs> but <laughs> At the same time, it was customer service. and it, My girlfriend you, works at Starbucks. Yeah. I know all about it. It's, yeah, it, it gets a little bit intense, and you have, to, you have to serve the customer, and you have to do things correct, and you have to stay on within the sequence of everything that's going and you on. you got to maintain composure when maintain, this customer starts cursing at you. Right, right. You have to, yeah, all of that stuff, and it can be very, very taxing. Uh, I forget where I was going with that. You have... Uh, oh, challenge. yeah. It's important. Ch- challenge and encouragement. I think you have to have a balance. I think that what Apple seems to do well, from my experience, I've been in an Apple interview, by the way. Oh, that's, that's awesome. As, that's as far as I made it, the big group interview. And it was one of the most invigorating experiences of my entire life. It's awesome. And it's sort of like, hey, we're all in this together. We're a team, support. But at the same time, I'm sure that once everything, the bulls, the, the ball, the bowl, <laughs> once the bowl started rolling, uh, once the ball started rolling, you were in a position where you now have to be challenged, where mm-hmm. they, they have to say, hey, you're doing that really badly. I love you, exactly but you're right. doing that really badly. Yep. And we have, we have a customer interaction to run here, and you, sir, can't do that so badly. And then you feel bad, and then through that feeling bad, you hopefully grow or if you're a narcissist you push back and throw a table and run off self-reflection i think is is super important Mm. like the ability to self-reflect yeah (laughs) like like a lot of people don't didn't didn't get that from their parents for some reason no no well it's like um you have to be able to to look inward to improve on yourself like if you're if you want to improve forget like um putting yourself in uncomfortable situations if you just sit and think just like take five minutes after something happens that you want to improve at you think okay what happened there what did i do how could i do that better what did i do good how can i keep doing that you'll learn and you'll improve way faster than everyone else because no one else is thinking, how can I improve myself? Mm. They're just doing. Mm. They're doing, or they're, how, or, they're, or they're blaming others, or yeah. they're not spending enough time and introspective thought. Yes. It's because people don't reflect. They just do the same thing and then wonder why they got it the same result. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do you think is the solution for somebody who wants to be self-disciplined mm-hmm. in challenging themselves and putting themselves in a state of discomfort, what do you think is the solution for them? Can you have the same level of immersion into discomfort and drive on your own? Is it per personality? What does that look like? Well, to be completely transparent with you, I'm still looking for that answer for myself. <laughs> uh, my dad is very, very, very self-driven. He will go, like, there can be no one around, and he can have no responsibility, and he will just get up and do, because yeah. that's the kind of person he is. Yeah. And I always think those will, those kind of people will, will exist, but I think you can create that kind of drive in yourself artificially, A, by creating a place where you're regularly around other people, who are pursuing the same goals that you are. Mm. And so that way, when you're 
at home and you're playing Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo Switch, there's a little little itch in the back of your brain that's going. <laughs> your amygdala hey. is speaking to you. Hello. You remember those guys who were way better than you? Don't you want to be like them? You know they're going to have way more money than you and be way more talented than you in mm-hmm. two years, right? You right. should stop playing this video game at the moment. Right. Yeah. And then the other thing, I think, this is a lesson I learned. This is a reflection that I learned from this semester. Uh, uh, fall 2018 has been a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, um, I mean, getting the job at the Apple Store was awesome, and I love working there, and it's amazing, and it's very fulfilling to work for Apple. But... Um, I was 18 credit hours for my school Mm. and I was, so that's maximum capacity, full-time student. I ended up just from the workload of the school alone before I even got the job, I was having to drop two of my courses just because it was just too much. I was drowning. Yeah. Um, I was taking... Um, two different piano lessons, classical piano lessons and jazz piano lessons. And I dropped the classical because the classical was like, I don't really need this. Ultimately, I can still learn the technique and still play properly without having to be in two separate lessons. And then I ended up dropping a math class because I was in government and I was in, um, what else? I was in theory and seeing, uh, singing gender studies and I was in psychology as well oh, okay. so it was like it was close right <laughs> um it was a lot and so I had a lot on my plate to begin with and then I got the job and I was working every hour I was not at school I was at work or asleep mm. so school apple job sleep school mm-hmm, job mm-hmm. sleep like that was it. Mm-hmm. And I had no time for myself. I had no time uh, to work on anything that I wanted to work on. I had no time. I had no time to really do homework for school. What kept you sane or are you insane at this point? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> so okay. what kept me sane was listening to music because, um, I mean, music is great as an art form because – it's the only it's one of the only art forms you can enjoy passively as well as actively. Mm. You can sit down and like decide I'm going to I'm going to consume this album and I'm going to take notes and I'm going to really listen to what's going on here or I can put the album on the background and enjoy it that way. But mm. as a musician, let it influence noticed, your vibes. Yeah, I've noticed that um a lot of stuff a lot of value is added to me when I listen to a lot of music. I absorb a lot through osmosis. My ear gets better. Um, and so that was kind of like a mini practice because I was in a sightseeing and ear training class where I had to be able to identify intervals and identify chords and identify, um, melodies and stuff by ear and be able to transcribe it. So in my head, like when I'm driving to work, I'll have music going and I'm like in my head, I'm thinking, okay, what interval is that? Where is that going? What kind of chord is that? Mm. Um, And listening to music is obviously cathartic for me because I'm a musician. I just am in love with music. Um, But then the other thing that kept me sane was um, being around my family. Yeah, drugs. Yeah, no. (laughs) All right. Being around my family. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's that that black tar heroin that really kept me. It really helps out, man. Nothing like a little bit of battery acid and shrooms. Crocodile. A little bit. What? What is that? Crocodile. What is that? It's this made. I, it was like this made up. I don't know if it's real or made up, but it was like this drug that's like you just take. This looks like a bunch of chemicals some guy found in his garage, like injects it into your flesh, but then your flesh starts rotting as soon as it comes into okay. contact with the drug, and it's like it was like in Florida or something. Of course. Oh yeah, of course. That sounds right. You didn't even have and, to say Florida. It just goes out. <laughs> goes without statement. But it was like some like news article. It's like fear mongering from the news or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly doubt that it was a real thing, but it was called Crocodile with two Ks. Okay, all right. So, I'll have to try some of that out. Yeah, uh, but no, being around my girlfriend and my family. Yeah. Um, you and you learn how important that stuff is when you get in a situation like that. 
it's like people who love you and care about you and are just every once in a while, my mom will say things like, like, I'm so proud of you. You're working so hard. Or like, I see how hard you're working or like, I really love you a lot. And it's just like, that's, I mean, I'm not the kind of person to like need other people to be around me. I can definitely just function on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but having people around me and having a support network around me is like really nice. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, my dad told me he was proud of me the other day and I was like, okay, dad, I'm going to keep <laughs> doing it. Yeah. The, yeah. Those, those small interactions I think are incredibly important. And they're more important when the person is in a position in life that's a new position for them that is, that's makes them horribly unstable. It's like it's it's tough to cope sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I've been in those positions, and it's like you realize the the core things that you need in your life to keep yourself in a in a solid spot. Mm-hmm. And I think you don't sometimes you don't find those core things strongly unless you do put yourself in one of those situations. So I think that's so. So this this situation puts you in a place of constant discomfort. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. still in it? Are you coming out of it? Are you how far still are you it. still in the the death? We're hole like of a couple days. The removed. crocodile. <laughs> Though we are like a week away from the semester ended in like December twenty first, twenty second, something like that. Okay. For me, um, and then I worked. I don't even know I what year had, it is. I, yeah, exactly. I still had work. I worked Christmas Eve, then I worked today, and I'm going to work tomorrow because I'm picking up someone's shift. Um, Good on you. So work is work is still very much an ever present force in my life. And next semester, I'm going to talk to Apple about reducing my hours mm. because at this point I don't need 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 a job to support myself just yet uh, I'm still kind of in that transition phase like I'm paying I can my payments on my own car but I'm not making I'm not paying for the house I'm not you know that yeah, kind of thing yeah, yeah. just yet that's so, uh, no, but it's so good that you're doing that that you're focusing on finding a solid job before <laughs> you ever get into the stress of, of, right. of the fullness of adulthood so that's, I think that's fantastic. Yes, but I'm definitely going to talk to Apple about reducing my hours, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, schedule. I'm gonna register for way fewer classes. I'm gonna have like nine or ten hours tops this semester. And the lesson I took from this semester was, you need time for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna take some time. I'm gonna take time to relax because. Um, Sundays were my relaxation days. We would go to church with my family, and then I would take the day and just rest. And I didn't have that. And that was like mm. my brain kept going, okay, weekend's coming. Weekend, we can get we can get a day where we sleep. And then weekend, I would work two eight-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like it, when you delete the weekend, shift, you know? I've learned like, that when you delete the weekend or a day of rest, because I, I – me and my wife are very intentional about taking a day of rest. Mm-hmm. When you get rid of that, it just keeps so going hard. in a circle. Your whole right. life is in a in a freaking <laughs> circle, and everything slowly becomes a nightmare. So you, yeah, there's no time to compress, decompress. There's no time to process anything. You yes. don't know what is going on. Yes. So I say for the week, put your work hard and put yourself in some discomfort. But take a day to, de- like you said, great word, decompress, and also take a day to hold yourself back from working because I learned that, particularly if you if you like the work you do, yes, you by the end of the day you really want to work again, mm-hmm. and by holding yourself back, you're like it's like you're a you're a horse, and it's the gate's about your to momentum. open, and you're just ugh, you're ready to go, you know. You ever play uh, Sonic the Hedgehog? I didn't. No, I'm sorry. I know that was. Oh man, I was supposed to, right? It was. It's a classic game. You have to play at some point. Mm-hmm. There's this game called Sonic Mania. That's mm-hmm. really cute. You roll and into a, like, like a ball and like shoot yeah. across a map, right? Right. It's like Super Mario Brothers. It's like a platformer, but you're like the concept is like you can go really fast. Yeah. 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 Uh, but if you're bad at it, like me, you don't actually go fast. You just end up hitting an obstacle and then stopping, <laughs> and you just build up a little momentum and then you stop again. 
uh, Sonic Mania is a great game because it's like they took a they took the retro aesthetic of the original Sonic games, then brought it to the new mm-hmm. to the new age, so you can play it on PS4, or Nintendo Switch, or PC, or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Sonic the Hedgehog, he like you could hold down like the down button, so he's crouching, and then just press this one button, and he goes, and he like oh, goes yeah, in the wall. It revs up and then you go release and it goes. That's it. That is the, the that is that's the end of the day of rest for me. Yeah, I wake up the next day and I'm I'm ready to go into. Now that's tough if you have a job that is something that you absolutely don't want to be at ever. You have to be there, but it still helps tremendously. But uh, well, to the to the idea, of, did you get your your lesson across? Well, I want to make sure you were able to say. What oh yeah, yeah, saying. yeah, for sure. Okay, so to the idea of self discipline. I'm I'm trying to figure it out, but I'm de- I'm dedicated to being self-disciplined because I'm I, I think I'm built that way. I want to be more. I want to be able to rely on myself and not need others uh, dramatically to be able to create and work. Mm-hmm. And I think I think for me, it's orienting the parts of my life that are not so creative, the parts that are mundane getting really type a about those things yeah will put you in a position where for one you are able to create and still keep up with the other stuff in your life but two that will translate into the creative stuff you will start to be more disciplined in the creative stuff by virtue of making sure you do the dishes right Mm -hmm. and these are all habits and the more you take on those habits you get into this forward motion of self-discipline and embracing a lifestyle of being mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Right. I think that my my adult life since I married my wife has been heavily focused on embracing discomfort and using the power of being in a place of, of discipline and uh, and overcoming frustrating circumstances consistently to the point that I... I don't. I really enjoy that grind, mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing that you have to try to work towards, and that you have to be passionate about working towards. Enjoy, like enjoy the thought of getting to a place where you you have a to do list that you're following, and you're very disciplined about it, and all of those things. The reason why I know that's so important is because I know that the more I do that, the more I set myself apart from mm-hmm. the creator who has not has not put like what you were saying at the beginning that talent natural talent is really a myth that Absolutely. it's actually just a bunch of hours of Absolutely. practice well deliberate practice deliberate practice yes absolutely because the 9 hours was being spent either way but some people were spending it doing things that were hard so that they were continuously improving some people were not. It's like a knife, right? If you run a knife through butter, it's not going to get sharper. Right. It's just going to keep cutting the butter. It's not going to necessarily get any it duller either. It will provide you with butter, though. Right. It will provide you with butter. Um, he cut. He cut a bunch of bread. Maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the way you make a knife sharper is by running it across a whetstone, something that's rough, something that takes stuff away mm-hmm. that it cause provides resistance against the knife and that's what causes it to get sharper great analogy well played thank you i just came up with that on, you on, sir get a on point spot. one point one what's the score right now one to zero. Oh. yeah i still have work I feel to like do. i feel like it's your podcast so you gotta get like a head start or something i i think i need to bring in a third party to decide the point system because really okay. i could just make it where i always win and i that would be that would be a trust issue. I, I think that you would have to be able to trust my character, but maybe but I. But you are, you are the winner, James. Or it's like whose line, where it's all made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> I love whose line. Did you ever watch? Is. Okay, I'm. I I wonder how many people, younger folk, have never seen that show, Oof. and that's we well, you know it's still right? running. It's still on. Really? Yeah. Wait, I feel. Yeah, I feel like I did. But uh, they Aisha Tyler is the host now. It's not. Um, it's not. Drew Carey anymore. Mm. Aisha Tyler is like the voice of this one character on like this one cartoon, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I know. You definitely miss out on his his dry his dry humor. Well, you can't. You, no one makes fun of uh, Aisha Tyler. 
yeah. everyone make fun of Drew Carey, right? That was right. the point. Right. And he was he was such a good sport about it. And he was always having fun, right? The, like the back and forth, the banter, right? And I feel like I mean, that I, was probably a very like when it first came out, and the the concept of that show was probably a very risky idea. It's mm-hmm. like we're gonna get on stage and we're gonna we're gonna just make a TV show out of us improving with like foam noodles in our hand. Yeah, and the people great. in the boardroom are like. Ah. Oh, okay. Well, they pitched it at the UK first. It was the UK before it came to the US. Oh, that's how it always works. Freaking the office. And Colin and Ryan were on it. And I think Greg Proops, he was, he's not like a, a mainstay, but he's like one of the regular reoccurring guests. Mm. They were all three on the original UK roster. Oh, okay. Before they came over. And I think Drew Carey, no. Drew Carey wasn't the host until they came to the U.S., yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I know so much trivia. I need to, like, clear my – there's going to be a clear cash button on my brain. That's I just beautiful. Now, I think it's great. Keep it up, but also, like, take take a – what's it called? Uh, when you when you segment a hard drive? Is it, uh, I guess a partition? It, uh, yeah, partition some of your energy towards getting better at your scales and your improvisation. And this, yes. Oh, God, what happened to my camera? Oh, no, I think my camera exploded. Oh, no. Can you see? Can you see? I can see you, but you're like... Oh, it switched. It's blurry. It's sw- not blurry, but it's like like misty. Like It's like... Oh, this is a nightmare. Oh, wait, it's coming back, I think. Oh, no. I think it stopped for a second and it came back. So all black screen right now. I can't it's, see anything. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. We're going to do this. Oh, it turned off for some reason. Uh, this is dealing with discomfort right now. This is horrible. I'm so sorry for everybody who's seeing nothing but darkness. It's okay. We're gonna make it through this. That's our one. that's our life without you, James. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. I think. Well, see, whatever reason it decided to turn off, it's this newfangled technology that I've decided to start embracing. Okay, here I'm yeah. gonna turn it off and then turn it back on again. At the Apple Store, we have this phrase, dealing with ambiguity. Oh, okay. Whenever there's something that... Oh, there... Oh, no, oh, never mind. Back, oh, oh, God, it's oh. green. What's happening? <laughs> this is chaotic. It um, stopped again. What's going it, whenever, on? We're dealing with ambiguity right now. This is serious. But whenever there's a situation where we don't know what's going on, or we, for whatever reason, like, I think it's don't bad. have, like, a protocol for it, we say we're dealing with ambiguity. Hey, you're back. I think I'm back. Nice. Okay. Hopefully that's it's recording. Right. Hey, we're gonna take a quick break. I'm just gonna make sure that recording's okay. We'll be right back. That got out of hand. Dude, I turned green. What was going on there? <laughs> that was that was intense. Okay, where were we? Uh I was ta- I was just mentioning dealing with the ambiguity because of the camera thing. But it also ties into the discomfort. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Where's a good place to wrap this up, Austin? Hmm. Um, I guess uh, synopsis. Oh, I have an idea. Okay. All right. How do we, how do we find creative ways to get in the same room as inspiring people? Hmm. Are you recording right now? I am. Okay. Uh, creative ways. Well, an easy way is to take classes at your community college. Okay. There are so many talented people in your community you, you don't even know about. And mm. whatever you want to learn how to do, there's a class for it at your community college, guaranteed. Okay. Um, there's, I mean, painting, drawing, photography, audio pro, or like audio engineering, music, photography, running, physical fitness, um, you know, science, psychology, whatever you want to learn how to do, you can audit classes mm-hmm. for free at your community college and figure out how to do those things. And you'll be put in an environment where there are people there who know how to do those things better than you. Mm-hmm. Or if you find a club that's dedicated to something that, like if you want to be better at improv, if you're an actor, find an improv club mm-hmm. in your city or in your town that that has people there and you just make it a routine where you have to go there and you have to you have to involve yourself somehow your screen just I died again. again oh god this is terrible i have an idea hold on 
it, keep going. Improv class. Okay. But yeah, if you make it a point to force yourself to participate, um, it makes it so that um, it makes it so that you become comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. So like, for instance, I um, have I have made it a point to where I don't I made it a point that I don't care about looking foolish in front of other people. And so I am perfectly okay with looking foolish for the sake of learning, for the sake of gaining knowledge. Because to me, that that rec- that knowledge is way more important to me than the image of, oh, haha, he didn't know the answer to that question, right? Mm. So I've made it a habit of like, if there is a professor who says something, and maybe I missed it early in the class. Maybe I had like zoned out or I'm just going to throw my hand up and say like, hey, what does that word mean? Hey, what did you mean by this? Hey, in this instant, and if such and such and such, if X, Y, Z happens, does X still apply, right? Um, or whatever. And my classmates can laugh at me and snicker at me and whatever. I'm learning, right? So if you force your – and same thing at uh, in jazz ensemble. If I force myself to participate – if I um, like, I have a habit of whenever I'm in ensemble rehearsal, like jazz combo rehearsal on Thursday nights, um, whenever we call a tune, and my band director asks, "Hey, he wants to solo on this," he knows that I'm going to solo on it by default because I've just said I'm going to solo on it every time. Because even though I know I'm not going to be very good, I'm forcing myself to get the repetition in of sight reading the changes and having to figure out a pathway and, and putting yourself in a position principle. where you have to be present and focused because Absolutely. we spoke about this a little bit in the past where mm-hmm. the putting yourself in a high intensity situation makes your mind hyper focus on a level that is very hard to achieve without yeah. that it's a tool to be used putting yourself in a spontaneous situation that where you could easily fail catastrophically in front of everyone. Yep. Yep. And the more reps you get in, the more comfortable you are with being uncomfortable. The more comfortable you are messing up, the more comfortable you are looking stupid, the more comfortable you are doing the wrong thing or doing the right thing and still failing anyway, right? And that feedback loop gets shorter and shorter and you just start to learn, oh, okay, here's that that here's that that works. Here's how this works. That doesn't work quite the way I thought it would. And you just just get better, and you learn the things that you like, and you learn the things that you don't like, and improvement happens. Mm-hmm. But okay. yeah, just putting yourself, finding an environment, finding a class, a club, um, uh, practicing in front of a wall or in front of your your friends and family mm-hmm. forces you to get into a habit of like doing the thing you do. I mean, the internet for crying out loud. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud. You have a, I mean, you can, you can find Reddit. I mean, you can have, you have so many options where you can find a community dedicated to people, uh, dedicated to a thing that you like, that's full of people just like you. And they're all just as talented as you are, if not better. And you can put yourself out there. Yeah. I th- yeah, absolutely. I, I think that what I was the way that I started this question was how do you find creative ways? And I think the key word is creative. I think that what will hold you back is thinking that there's supposed to be a map, a blueprint. Right. Our school exactly. system likes to teach us that there's a map to things, but the way to succeed in life is to go around the map. <laughs> yeah, and think. think- outside the box yes think creatively about how you can utilize instagram direct messages or how or like a club that you can find downtown or whatever uh many different ways that you can get yourself around a group of people who are exactly where you hope to be, or, or maybe they're doing something different, but they're a stepping stone to something else that you could be doing in the future. I yeah, can't exactly. think, I can't think of an, a, a perfect idea because it takes creative thought. So mm. next time you get in the shower, get diligent about uh, how you can 
put yourself in situations where people around you will make you very uncomfortable and make you feel like you need to be better. And I also think that, of course, developing self-discipline, I think developing self-discipline along Mm -hmm. with social discipline Mm -hmm. are the two ways, not the two ways, two major ways to grow yourself through embracing discomfort. And I think Can I add one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to add, um, get an instructor or a tutor. Mm -hmm. So important because you can take a class and you can kind of like, maybe you can coast along, maybe your teacher doesn't care, maybe it's a big class. But if you have a person where their job is to work on you and you alone. And see your flaws. The pressure builds when it comes time to to deliver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're, I mean, for piano, if I have a piano teacher, and he's like, okay, let's see your uh, two five ones in all keys. That means I have to play the same chord progression in every key, and I have to do it with no mistakes. Yeah. And he's watching, and he knows what mistakes look like, even if it sounds right. The relational knows, pressure of wanting to make him proud. Right, is and important. the fact that there's no one else I can hide behind if I mess up. Mm. So class in tandem or club with in tandem with a private instructor definitely pushes you to the next level. Yeah. Very good. I think this is a great place to wrap up now that my camera has burst into flames. I think it overheated. That's what my technical brain is telling me right now. Uh, <laughs> What I said at the beginning, I think, is a good place to end, which is victory is won in the trenches. Yes. And to keep em- your head down. Em- yeah, keep your head down and to embrace discomfort of all kind and know that that is a resource, that discomfort is a tool for mm-hmm. you to succeed. But give yourself time to reflect on that discomfort. Don't just like stay in discomfort and never think about it. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Good point. Oh, I was gonna. I was probably gonna kill thousands of people. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking that day of rest is like so important this semester i was just like <sighs> christmas break christmas break is our is our sunday christmas yeah. break is gonna save us yeah so, yeah you work towards that okay hey thanks austin this was a great conversation once again thanks for having me james i uh, always appreciate it that yeah i dude i always enjoy our conversations and i think that i pick you because you have very wonderful thoughts to share always i mean Man, that. i love you i try wait Was that the right response? Anyway, I love you too. Okay, bye everyone. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it if you made it this far. I hope you found it helpful. I hope you have a lovely day. Have a great New Year's.